our year to, to overcome. And uh, every year is our year to overcome. We don't need a new year to roll in to change. But a lot of times people don't think about it really or go for it like they do when a new year is before them. Uh, what I want to do this morning, and then I'll get into some scripture here. And it's just, it's been on my heart to just tell you a story. How about that? I've been doing this a long time. I've had the privilege of seeing God do many miracles, signs and wonders over the years. You know, some Christians live their whole life, they've never even seen God do anything like that. A lot of times we don't see it because we don't believe in it. Uh, you can be a wonderful Christian as far as what I'm saying, you're born again. When you die, you go into heaven. But uh, you just don't believe that Jesus heals anymore. Well, guess what you won't see much of? You won't see much of healing. But our God is a God who saves, delivers, heals, sets free. Amen. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He hadn't changed. And uh, so I've had the privilege of seeing so many things over the years, just absolute bona fide miracles. We believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit spoken of in the New Testament, in particularly in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. God says, I don't want to, he said, I want you to be ignorant concerning spiritual gifts. And he names nine gifts there. There are more than that, but he names nine of them. He names the gift of the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom and the gift of prophecy, the gift of diverse kinds of tongues and the gift to interpret or understand what those tongues are, the gift of healings, the gift of distinguishing or discerning of different spirits. He names these, these uh, gifts, the gift of faith. I cannot overexpress to you how important it is for us to have faith. And what I see a lot now in the church wide, I don't mean in, in this church particular only, but it just doesn't seem as many years as I've been pastoring now for over 31 years, it does seem to me that, that people's faith in the supernatural, in the miraculous, or just in God in, in general is not as high as it has been, as, as, a, as a broad brushstroke. Is that fair to say? And you see people are looking to a lot of things to, to help them, deliver them, but not so much to Jesus. And, and we have to return to our faith in the Lord, our total confidence in him. And I want to assure you that our God is the same. and he, he loves us while we were yet a sinner. So you don't have to worry about whether he loves you or not, and you just need to knock that off. I, I wonder if God loves me. God loved you while you was a sinner. The Bible says that. You either believe it or you don't. And if you don't believe it, you won't enjoy the benefit of the peace that it brings into you. Now, God doesn't love you anymore now because you're born again because that's the way you and I think. You know, you do good, we like you more. You do bad, we like you less. That's not, God's not a man. God doesn't fluctuate. He doesn't change. He doesn't go up and down. His character remains consistent and the same forever and forever. He's the only thing that doesn't change. Everything else changes. Everything. You and I change. Our bodies change. Times change. God, not God. And God said he would always be found of those that seek him. You're never without him. You may not feel him. You may not hear his voice. 
a lot of times we don't hear God because we're, we, we, have, we have specific criteria that we relegate God in which he could speak to us. But God can speak to you in a lot of different ways. And I remember many years ago I was running a, a revival. And uh, I spent, before I started pastoring, I spent about six years as a revival preacher. That's what they called it, I guess, evangelist. And I was preaching in a little town over here in Coffee County called Nichols, Georgia. Anybody ever been to Nichols? Love people from Nichols, glory to God. But it's this real small town, got one traffic light. And I was preaching at a Pentecostal church there in that town. The church was small, around maybe 30, 40 people. And uh, I was a young, young uh, preacher and preaching a revival for those folks. And I looked out that night. I, I was there for a whole week, and I looked out, and I... I saw a, a preacher and his wife that I didn't personally know. We had never talked or anything, but when I was a young man, this guy had came to our church and ran a revival himself. And so the way I looked at him or knew him, that he was an evangelist himself, he was a traveling uh, evangelizing minister, and he was very uh, seasoned, very mature, very gifted. He could preach. He could play the guitar and sing. Uh, he was just a, a very gifted man. And so I'm saying to you that it made me nervous seeing him set in my service. And I was wondering, uh, what are you doing here? Because at that time I had preached long enough to know, to, to find out that most preachers didn't go to meetings unless they had to. And here he is on a weeknight sitting in my meeting. I had no idea where he lived or anything. And, and it just kind of made me nervous. But I went ahead and preached the service. And when I got to the end of the service, I just felt an overwhelming direction of God to call his wife forward and pray for her. And th this is how God deals with you. And, and I had no idea about anything with this man. And, and yes, I'm nervous. And the way God deals with me a lot of times, he just may, uh, what I call, illuminate somebody's face to me or just really draw me to somebody. And, and a lot of times that's my indication to just pray for him. And so I did that. I had no idea, you know, and so she's, you know, they were sitting near the back, and I said, ma'am, would you uh, come? And I, if, if they're married, I like their, the husbands to come with them, you know. So, and I said, uh, sir, would you come with your wife? And so they're on their way up front. Now, while they're walking from the back of this little church up there, in my heart, I'm just praying, God, please tell me why I'm supposed to pray this morning, you know, because I don't, you know, I don't know. Now, I'm, just, I'm telling you stuff, and it's by the gifts of the Spirit. Everybody say gift. And if it's a gift, you didn't earn it. And if it's a gift, you can't unearn it. That's why they're called gifts. They're gifts of the Holy Spirit. This is not something you achieved or prayed long enough that God decided to answer your prayer and give it to you. So you have the Holy Spirit in you if you're born again. You're full of the Holy Spirit if you're born again. And so you have access, access to all his gifts as God chooses, as God directs. And the greatest need... Uh, gift that is needed is the one that's needed in that moment, right? So, so they, uh, they're walking up front, and, and, and this hadn't happened to me at that time before, but when she stood before me in what I call standing in my three-foot of personal space, I saw like a vision, and I saw a, a, I saw a clump of grapes, and, uh, and, and I saw a big pair of silver scissors go right in the middle of that big big cluster of grapes and cut it. And I watched the cluster that fell. It fell to a top of a brown table, and grapes rolled in every direction off of the table. And, uh, 
And that's what I saw. You, how did you see it? I don't know. That's just what I saw. And I saw it as clear as I'm seeing you. And then I heard, then the next image I saw was her face in her place of prayer. She was weeping and crying. And she was looking up, and I heard her saying, God, why? Why, God, why? And, and so I didn't, you know, the Bible says we see in part and we prophesy in part. Okay? And so all God was giving me was what I needed to help, help his daughter and his son. And uh, so as I'm seeing this, I'm, I'm saying this out loud to this woman. And, uh, and I said, I see you weeping in your place of prayer, and you're asking God why. And I saw all this clump of grapes and the, and the silver scissors go in and, and clip it, and they roll off the table. And I said, God told me to tell you so that it would bring forth more grapes, bigger grapes, and better grapes, says God. Now, that doesn't sound like something just, and you know, like, but that was the word of the Lord to that woman. Now, when I said that to her, she physically responded with tears and, and audible weeping. But it was a good kind of crying. So did her husband. I don't know what they're, well, I don't know what's going on with them. I don't know what they're weeping about. All, and that doesn't make any sense to me, what I said to them. But I just told them what I saw. But it was, it had a major impact on them. But then I, when I got through saying that, I went to the next person that was in the altar, and, and I began to pray and minister to people and whatever. After the service, the pastor, that guy and his wife came straight forward up front to me, and they said, Pastor Dale, they said, you have no idea what God did through you tonight for us. They said, please uh, come to our house right now. We want to talk to you. Can you drive to my house? Can, can you, don't you see that's a little weird? I mean, that's not weird, but it's unusual. I never had a pastor ask me to drive to East. And in fact, he told me, he said, I'm pastoring, and I'm pastoring in Douglas. And he said, don't you still live in Cook County, which I did at that time? And I said, yes. He said, well, you got to drive through Crawford County. Please come to my house. I know you're tired. Please come to my house. I said, okay, I'll come. So he gave me the directions I addressed to his house. And so I drove over there. And uh, when I got to his house, you know, they sat out, and they were still, they were just weeping and, and, and carrying on. And, and he said, he said, Brother Dale, you, you just have no idea what God did. And I said, well, what, what's, up, what's up? He said, I, of course, I, he said, I pastor here. And, and so where he gave me was a, was a church, and he was living in the parsonage. And uh, he said that, uh, he said, about three or four Sundays ago, on a Sunday morning, he said, I had a woman stand up in my church and challenge, said some things publicly, you know, in the middle of my service, attacking me. And he said, and when she got through saying what she wanted to say, he said she turned and walked out, and he said half the church walked out with her. He said people walked out of that church that I thought would have given their life to me for me, is what he said. And he said that we have been in a, in a traumatized, broken state ever since. And he said, and we, are, we were contemplating resigning the church. And he said that we, we've just been devastated ever since. We lost half our church. And our church wasn't big to start with. And uh, he said, so that's the reason that I was in your meeting. He said, I heard that you were running a revival over there. And he said, we just wanted to put ourselves in a position where if God did want to do something, he could use somebody because we sure couldn't hear him say nothing. He said, we felt like we were just in no man's land. And so that's why that they would go to a little old young whippersnapper at that time preacher 
and said in his meeting. Because, see, desperate, when you get desperate, it'll make you do things. And I want to tell you something about faith. Faith has got legs. Faith without works is dead. And it's not that you're earning anything, but God wants you to demonstrate that you believe in him, that you believe he'll meet you. I mean, did you, you know, I mean, Jesus, everything he did, all these miracles he did, he would tell, he told the blind man, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Well, he could have healed him right there, but God wants you to participate with him. It's something about you participating with God that releases and activates that faith of God. He, he, he told people all through the Bible, do this, do, you know, all, all these things. But it's not about a formula or anything like that. And so then I understood, and I understood the vision then that God gave me for his wife. And his wife really took, you know, when you heard of her, a, a wife's husband, man, and she takes it. She, yeah, the husband's hurt, but man, she takes it. She gets that, what we used to call that secondary infection. Really hurts when she sees her husband hurt, hurting. And that's maybe why she was in her prayer. And you can imagine now, you see, that during the course of those three weeks, she was crying out and asking God, why did that happen to him? And they were about to leave the church. And yet God uses a little person to just speak the word of the Lord to them. And, and, and what did God say to them? He said, the reason this happened is it's going to bring forth more grapes, bigger grapes, better grapes. Those grapes represented those people that left the church. And what you learn as you read the Bible, silver, and don't get weird with stuff, but silver is redemptive. Jesus was redeemed for 30 pieces of silver. In the tabernacle, they were silver. And anytime you see silver, it's redemptive. I've been in meetings before. This has only happened a few times in all of my life. But I've, have, I've had it happen three or four occasions where I've looked out and I saw uh, a man one time, and I think a couple of times it may have been a woman, but I saw a silver band around their head. And that means that God was telling me that I'm redeeming their mind. And, and, and I've seen those prophetic Hence, those things that, that God has, has said before. And, uh, and, but it, it still requires faith to act on them. Still requires faith to act on them. And so when he told me that, then I understood what it was. And I said, well, brother, obviously God is saying that I'm redeeming this church. And, and this, this pruning that has occurred is going to be redemptive for you. And even though half the church is left, God said he's going to bring forth more grapes, bigger grapes, and better grapes. And I said, you just have to believe God. And he said, I want you to come run a revival here just as fast as you can get here. And so I looked in my little appointment book whenever that was, and I set the meeting for some weeks out. And I said, I'll come here, and we'll start on Sunday night, and I'll go through Friday because then the next week I'm booked, and we'll, we'll just go on. So I went. Now, when I got to the church there, this was – church, you know, there in, in Douglas, and when I got to the church, um, he introduced me, and I sat there on the front row with my wife, and, and um, he introduced me, and Jill was like this, not from biscuits, but from pregnant, and she was really pregnant, and in fact, I didn't know that on that Sunday night, but in fact, she would have our third child during that revival, Wednesday of that week. She had Austin at 12, around 12 noon Wednesday of the week that I was there in revival. But she was there Sunday night. And uh, she was, she was big. <laughs> she, she always carries our babies right out front, you know. And uh, so it's kind of hard on her to be there and with the other two little ones. And, but she was there Sunday night. And I think he came even more than that. He came Monday night. And, uh, 
But when we got there Sunday night, the, the pastor came to the pulpit, and he, he, this is what he said, and, and those, these words were not common, and, 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 it, and it was weird to me. But he said, church, he said, the prophet of God is here tonight. That's what he said. And it, it almost kind of offended me a little bit. I'm like, that's weird. Nobody's ever called me no prophet. Uh, I wasn't even sure I believed in him at that time. You know what I'm saying, that there were any walking around. I knew we could prophesy. But he said, the prophet of God is here. And, and when I walked in that church, I felt, and it's just hard to put words to this stuff, but the, the atmosphere was charged. That's the only way I can say it. And see, what had happened is that, I, that, that later I realized that that pastor, of course, had went back to his church, those that had stayed there. And he had told them what had happened in the little town of Nichols. And he told them about this guy that called him and his wife out and prophesied over them. And he told them about the, 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 the prophecy and, and he told them about the promise of God of bigger grapes, more grapes, and better grapes. So when I got there, see, them people love their pastor and they trust in him. And so he had prepared the, prepared the way for me. Their faith level of each of those people was so high. Their faith level was, was so high. I didn't realize what all that would do. But so when I, he introduced me like that, and, and so those people, you talk about receptive and hungry and come on God, that's, that's all I got. And I'd been preaching, you know, five, six years at that time, and, and it was just, and so the gifts of the Spirit operated through my ministry that week as they have never have before or since. It's like I had stepped into a, a, a zone, a, a an area that I had never known before, and, 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 and I was able to see in the Spirit and prophesy, and, and, and we saw people healed and just tremendously. And, of course, every night the crowds, they pack in the church out. You have one night of see, the people seeing things like that. Boy, they invite everybody, and they come the next night. I remember one night that uh, I looked out on this side, and I saw, uh, you know, about halfway back, I saw this guy. And, and please don't ask me how I know all I know is we call it your knower goes off. And I'm talking about your spirit. But you know things. It's called the word of knowledge. You, it's the gift of the word of knowledge. You, you, you have a knowledge that you, you supernaturally know that the Holy Spirit is imparting to you. And you don't know why you know it. But you still have to act in faith and declare it. And I looked out about halfway and I saw this man sitting there by himself. And in, in my knower went off. <laughs> and I knew he was a backslidden church musician and he had had a failure and he had declared himself unfit and unusable and he could never be used of God again. He could never play instruments and sing and worship again and because of his failure and God didn't show me what his failure was. I just knew there had been one. And, I, and when I, I remember when I said, sir, and I didn't even have to call the guy forward. I just said, sir, you, you in the such, such church, stand up. God says you're, you're a musician and you once played and sung in the house of the Lord, but because of something that's happened in your past, you feel as if you can never be used again. Please, sir, know that's a lie of the enemy. And God count, counts you precious. And I began to just prophesy the word of the Lord to him. And he just audibly wept. And the church, I heard them gasp audibly because they lived in that town and they knew him. And they knew the failure. I didn't. And they watched God restore this guy that night. And that guy recovered and got back in the church worshiping and praising and singing again because he found out God wasn't through with him. A lot of, might have been some church folks through with him, but God wasn't through with him. 
Amen. And, and I watch God do stuff like that every night. And I had never been used. I remember one night God gave me a name. I said, there's a kid, there's a, 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 a boy here, and his name is such and such. Where is he? Now, that's pretty specific. But see, there was a boldness. There was a strong unction from God. And his mama just stood up and said, that's my son. And I said, where is he? She said, he's in the youth building. I said, go get him. She ran to the youth building and came back with him in tow. Boy, that's fun stuff. She brought him right up front, and God was able, and I released the word of the Lord over him. There was something real specific that he needed. And we watched God, we watched healings occur. And, and, and see, the Bible said the gift of prophecy to, is to encourage, to build up, and to comfort. It, that, and, and it says we, we can all prophesy. So you don't have to be some preacher or pastor or, or some, you know, in that area. We're all preachers and pastors in a sense. And, and you may all, Paul said you may all prophesy. And there's not a Sunday, there's not a day that somebody that you come in contact does not need to be encouraged, to be comforted, and to be lifted or builded up. And so you don't have to be weird. You don't have to contort your face and you don't have to, do weird stuff to be able to be godly and just speak the word of the Lord. And sometimes you know you're prophesying and sometimes you're prophesying and I don't even think you know you're prophesying. Many times I've laid hands and somebody says, well, Brother Dan, would you just pray for me? And, and so, uh, you know, a lot of times I don't want you to tell me what's wrong because it may hurt my faith. <laughs> it may be so bad I'm like, oh, I don't even know if God can help you with that. You know what I'm, I'm, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. But, I, but a lot of times when I just start praying for somebody, I hear myself change gears, and I realize in that moment that I'm actually praying prophetically in that moment over them with understanding. And so I watch God do that. Now, of course, a lot of people came and visited that revival, and it, it was, I, had, I had never been in any revival like that. Now, you've got to understand that little old Dale here, I was trying to figure out what was going on in my ministry. Now, I, I was. I thought maybe. So you know, you can be greatly used of God, but your theology can get weird. In other words, you you just don't understand. So I'm I'm trying to come up with a reason why that God's using me so mightily. I'm thinking maybe I have broken through, because everybody always talking about breakthrough. I thought I had broken through an area of anointing or something that's just just what it's going to be. I'm fixing to be worldwide, bona fide. You know what I'm saying? I mean. It's his, it's his going to be, it's something. Or I said, maybe the, the reason the Lord's anointing me like this and allowing me to be used like this is because he knows my wife's pregnant and Austin was born at 12 noon and, and it was a very difficult delivery, to say the least, and yet I still come on and preach revival for these people. And so maybe because I'm sacrificing, maybe my sacrifice is why God's being so good to me and why he's doing this. See how stupid that is. But I can tell you back then when I was living it, I thought, well, that makes sense. You know, maybe it's just you sacrifice. You know, maybe God's honoring my sacrifice. And I remember, you know, the revival came to an end that Friday night. And, and I mean, every night we was packed people there. And, you know, and, of course, you can feel people pulling on you. They want you to call them out. And they want you to do this and that. And that's okay. It's okay to desire that stuff. I can't do anything unless God helps me. You know, we, 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 and, you know, 
And, and what, what we saw, my, the, the pastor begged me, and looking back on it, I should have heeded his beg, <laughs> and I should have stayed there. I should have kept the revival going. We, we could have probably went a month or two. But, but I, because I was booked in another city with another pastor, and I felt obligated, you know, to that, I, I closed it out and started the following Sunday night in another city, in another church. When I got to that city and that church, I found out it was just as dead as any revival I've ever been in that was dead. You know what I mean by that? I wasn't calling nobody out. I wasn't prophesying. I just preached. And they didn't seem like they was even thrilled by that. And that made me nauseated because I thought, what, look at where I just came from. And, 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 but the, the, the deposit that God made in that church where that miraculous week occurred, now, now you got to think about this. Now, some of these elders and stuff, and not that you don't know, but you got to understand how, what it takes to make what I'm fixing to say happened, happen. And I'm going to say what it takes is G-O-D, okay? All right, so when I was there, I told him, I, I said, I'm going to go on to my next city, next revival. He said, well, I think you're making a mistake, but I'm going to honor you, but I want you back here in one year. I want you back here in one year. And I said, Okay. So that'd be easy. My son was born on Wednesday, so I'll be back here when he's having his n number one birthday. And I was. Now listen to me. When I went back one year later, when Austin turned one, I went back to run another week of revival. They had built a brand new facility because they had to. L listen, they had built a brand new church and twice as big as what they were, three times as big as what they was in. When I was there, they was probably running 80 people. Now they're running about 300 people. Did God do it or not? And he did it within 12. I'm talking about within 12. From the Sunday that I left, he said it just poured in. He said just a couple Sundays, in fact, he said, after you closed revival, he said, I looked out in my congregation and over 100 brand new people whom I did not know walked into my sanctuary and sat down. He said, over 100. How many knows that's a good boost in your church attendance when over a hundred brand new people walk in? And he was said he was sitting on the platform. You know that's how preachers in those days a lot of times you sit up front, you know, and sit in the in the throne chairs and stuff, and, and watch people worship, you know, kind of deal. And um, and so he watched all these people just pour in. And he's like, my God, the word of the Lord's coming to pass. <laughs> and uh, and so after the service, he met some of those people, of course. And uh, he found out that in they had been, unfortunately, a real tragic failure of a, of a big church. But a lot of those people just couldn't make the crossing with it. And over 100 people out of that one church came to his church. Now, what it was was that it was a carriage, what they would call, what people, everybody loves labels. But this guy would be considered, and when I went and preached, his church would have been a Pentecostal church. Uh, this was a charismatic church, and these people came. Now, when I went back the f uh, one year later, I was sitting on the platform with him up there because that's where we sat. And I looked out there, and there, there's this guy standing up in the pew, standing with his feet in the, where your seat goes, which I thought was, that's kind of, I don't know if that's right, you know. And he's beating a tambourine. I mean, he's just wearing that tambourine out. And I'm like, well, that, and, and, and I watched people just, you know, waving flags and stuff. See, that was that charismatic bunch that snuck in there. 
And I leaned over to the pastor and I said, who's that guy? I said, he's, he's wearing that tambourine out. He said, oh, that's Dr. So-and-so. Wasn't it, baby? That was a, one of the most renowned medical doctors in that town. And, and we know that because we became friends with this medical doctor. And we would go to eat with him every time. And from the time, I guess probably over the next 10 years, as long as that pastor was at that church in Douglas, I always preached there every year. Even when I started Cornerstone and I began to pastor myself, he said, I've got to have you come back every year and run a revival here. And we did see God do wonderful things. And the prophetic always flowed in that house. You know why? Because the people made the difference. It wasn't me. See, now, and, and, and this is not to beat up anybody. That's, I'll never do that. I'm just trying to awaken you again to the possibilities of what faith will do. Now, this will work individually in your own life. But if we all came into this church today really expecting with the expectancy, of, like those people were, we would be seeing right now the same things that they saw. And I told you, I remember here, and you remember, and, 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 and I don't mean this. I'm just trying to build you up for this year, I'm trying to encourage you. But I told you I've never had this happen in my And I'm not trying to make you think I'm nothing because I'm not. Because <laughs> I know I'm not. But I've learned that it's by grace. I ain't achieved anything. It's just the grace of God. But here, if, I don't know, what, what was it? Irene Crawford, I, you, know, my, you know, a few years ago, well, I've probably been a few years now the way time flies by, but on Saturday night I was at my house asleep, wasn't bothering anybody, and then 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning I woke up and I sat up in the bed, and I, I just sensed it was the Lord. And I've never had this happen before since, but while I was sitting up in the bed, I was awake, I looked, and it was just like a TV screen. I went into an open vision, and I saw this service that was to be that day. And I remember I, 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 I saw myself come to the pulpit, and I, and I walked to the pulpit, and I said, I said, sitting in this wing right here, right here, where Jimmy's sitting. Wave, Jimmy, how you doing? I said, there is a lady. She's an African-American lady. And I saw her smile real big, and she's got a gold filling or a gold tooth or something. I just saw gold in her mouth when she smiled. And then the, the, the Lord gave me the word to, to say to her. And then the next thing I saw in the vision is I saw in this wing. And we had a wing over here, you know, and I saw, I said, there was a couple over here. And I, and I, and I heard what I prophesied to them, and it was about their decision. You know, in other words, they were, they were seeking God and, and uh, you know, where to be, even what church to be in and all that. And, and the word that the Lord came to them. And then I remember that I saw back uh, where Mary Lee and, and sitting, wave Mary Lee, and uh, I saw a guy there. How many of you remember that service that day? Hold, hold your hand up if you remember that service. Okay, you look at all these things. It's okay to look around. Look at these people. So just so you know, I'm not a liar. Okay, oh, you put them down. Okay, and I saw this guy. Who, who, as far as I, I had never seen him before, but I saw him in my dream, in my vision. And he had on camo breeches and a nice sport coat, which is kind of weird because I've never really seen anybody wear camo breeches with a nice sport coat. And I saw the Lord, you know, what, he, what God told me to prophesy to him. I saw that God told me to tell him that he was, a, he was a hunter. He was a hunter in the natural, but he was also called of God to be a hunter in the marketplace.
and that's why he had the camo and the suit. And he had tried many endeavors financially, business-wise, but they hadn't been successful. But that was changing for him. And, and, and prophesied the word of the Lord. And then I saw back on this side, at the very back, I saw a young lady, young girl. And God told me to call her to the front and to set her in my seat where I sit. And I remember God told me to hand her a pen, a writing pen, an ink pen, to memorialize the prophecy that it was about to be given to her, that she was called of God to write. And she would write even laws in this land. And she would be used of God to write. And God would use the gift of writing to encourage many people. And, and I remember, Crawford, you handed me a pen to give to the girl. Am I making this up or did it happen? Okay. And I gave it to her. And we prophesied to her. Now, her mama was in the service. And I didn't know the girl nor her mama. And her mama came up to me as soon as the service was over, crying and weeping. He said, you have no idea. That's exactly what, how my daughter is. She said, she just wrote me like five pages. Just to, She's writing all the time. And she wrote me like her life statement that she wanted to write to, 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 to me as her mom. And then she wrote something that was read at, at some event. And, and it was just God confirming his gifting in that young girl's life. And, and, and there was other things that I can't remember. Now, I'm trying to be real with you, but do you, do you understand? All right, so I wake up, I come out of that vision, and I see that. And in my heart, I know that's what God wants to happen right here at this church that Sunday. But it's up to me to decide to obey or not. And I remember sitting there, and I walked up, and I'm just so honest with you, I'm so nervous. Because I'm just a guy. I'm just a guy. I'm really nervous, but I'm a guy that's hungry for God. And I'm hungry for the real supernatural move of God where people are blown away by how much our Father loves them. Where, where they are absolutely just, they're undone because they have encountered the living God. And I love it when their face changes and when their heart explodes and when they know that God is real and he loves them and he's, and he's able to help them. And he's not forsaken them and he's not giving up on them. I love that. And if I could make it happen, buddy, I'd be doing it seven days a week. And there's a lot that I don't understand. But I know right here before your eyes, I walk to this pulpit. And all the way leaving my chair walking up, I'm wrestling inside whether I'm going to do that or not. Because this is what I know. I know that that, that when I go to this one side, now I might could shoot a shot across the whole audience, you know, it might hit somebody with an African-American lady with a gold filling. Or there were several other things that God told me to pray for. I thought I might rearrange the service that was more palatable to me. I was thinking maybe I'll just start out with, and I know God wanted me to pray for diabetics or something, I believe, remember that day. And I said maybe I'll just call that out and we'll start there and see how it goes. And I felt like God said, no, you do it like I showed you. Not mean-wise, he just said, do it like I showed you. And, and here's my thought. What if I start the service here at this church, and, and I walk over here, and I say, sitting in this section is, a, is an African-American lady. You have a gold filling or a gold tooth or something. Would you stand up? And what if I do that, Lord, and nobody stands up? I'm going to look like an absolute fool. You have a gold filling in your tooth, don't you? (laughs) 
You see how God will mess with you? <laughs> come here, darling. Come up here. Come here, darling. 